25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Just go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. All right, let's go. Hour two of the show has begun. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast service, friendly service. People you can deal with one-on-one, face-to-face, cell phone to cell phone. Any time of day or night. You don't have to wait for, quote-unquote, business hours and call some 800 number. Nope. You're talking to somebody who lives like three neighborhoods over. You see them at church. You see them at the ball game on Friday night. That's why they're your hometown heroes, because they're in your hometown. That's Farm Bureau Insurance. Speaking of cell phones, staying connected to you always here on the show because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. Check out the C Spire Health app. Just put it on your phone. You get sick. Nothing major. If it's major, go to the doctor. Go to the emergency room. If it's not major, but you're sick, you need help, open up the C Spire Health app. Go wait, and you're connected. Live video chatting with a medical professional at University Medical Center in Jackson. Nurse practitioner, etc. You talk to him face-to-face right there on the phone. Most times they can help you. They can maybe diagnose. They can prescribe without you having to leave wherever you are. You don't have to drive 30 minutes to a doctor's office. You don't have to wait for an hour. The C Spire Health app, check out cspirehealth.com. Isn't that cool? It is. I'll go ahead and answer that. It is cool. All right. Coming up, Bart Gregory, which means that uh, old Matt's going to have to type his number into uh, the screen over here so that Roger can call him. And Bart, one of the few guests here on the show that I actually have his number memorized. <laughs> you know, we don't we don't memorize numbers anymore very much. We'll get him on for you in a couple minutes. No, I wanted to come over here to the text line real quick. Norman texted the show a minute ago. He had a question. I read that. It was about the Gardner Minshew interview. He's talking about how simple the offense is under Mike Leach and all that. And here's what Norman said. Is it fair to say that we should have a good evaluation in year one how the SEC defenses can handle what this offense does, regardless of talent? It seems like he either gives defenses trouble or not. He How many wins and losses that equate to, who knows, against the SEC? See you. And you're right. You said, who knows? You didn't ask for a prediction. Here's, And then you ask about the ceiling. Uh, Norman, you, you said... I just think we'll know a lot in year one if the um, in this league about Leach's ceiling with this scheme. Nobody, here's what we've got to remember, Norman. Here, you, we've got to remember this. 
nobody designs any schemes as as head coaches in Power Five football. They they all know X's and O's. You know, people like when I do X's and O's and we draw up plays and we do a film study video. Man, the coaches in Division One football have forgotten more X's and O's knowledge than I have. All of them. Joe Moorhead, Mike Leach, all of them. If you and me too would sit in some film study sessions with them and going through what they're breaking down and seeing, you'd be blown away by the depth of knowledge of things they're seeing and considering when they design stuff. They, none of them are designing offenses that wouldn't work. They all will work in theory. So what's the what's yeah that's the right uh, area code there, Roger. I, I typed in the wrong one. You got it. <clears throat> so what's the difference in teams that win and lose? It's that old coach speak, execution, that whole thing. You know, players. So we go, oh, I mean, look. So there's a ceiling for somebody's scheme because of what league they play in. See, I disagree. Now you go, well, I mean, there's a reason that he hadn't been hired in the SEC until now, is there? What is that reason? There's a ceiling for that scheme in the SEC, is it? Why? Or is it more about players and execution? Really? What is it? See, I, I don't see it that way. I mean, look at look at the history of Mississippi State football. When has State had an offense that didn't look like it had a ceiling? Find me the years when Mississippi State had an offense that didn't look like they had a ceiling. Okay, let's go 2014. Let's try that one. Dak Prescott, Josh Robinson, you know, that whole deal. That so so why in 2014 did State's offense appear to be one that didn't really have much of a ceiling? Based on scheme and in this particular league and all that kind of thing. Well, I'll tell you. It's because they had an NFL starting quarterback. They had an NFL caliber running back. They had an NFL tight end slash H-back. A lot of people don't realize it, but, you know, they did. He's been in the NFL for a long time. Different teams. They had a loaded receiver group. The one guy who's made it in the NFL as a receiver, Fred Brown, was not even the primary target on that team. They had Bear Wilson, 6'5", 235 pounds. He's just posting guys up out on the outside. They can't handle him physically. You had about three offensive linemen. Is that it? Three or more <laughs> NFL caliber. Right? So the personnel on that team in 2014, took the scheme to a level that it looked like it didn't have a ceiling. Huge numbers. 
3,000-something passing, 3,000-something rushing, all in the same year. Well, the personnel took the scheme. It was, it wasn't like people said, you know, Mullen's scheme was bland and boring. Well, it wasn't that year. Why? Because the players could make it happen and they did make it happen. I just I don't buy into the idea that anybody's scheme, the way they draw it up, just won't work in this league. I don't believe that. And people go, yeah, well, Ole Miss's offense under Hugh Freeze, throw it all over the field. Throw, throw, throw. Don't run it, throw. And it never got them to Atlanta. Well, you know how close they were to getting to Atlanta. Fourth and 25 against Arkansas. A hook, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar hook shot over his shoulder in overtime just to keep the ball alive. And turned it into a first down. That's how close they were. So in reality, it wasn't nothing about the scheme that they were running that hit a ceiling or kept them out of the SEC championship game. They just didn't make a play on fourth and 25. Yeah, it's tough. Yes, the reality is this is a tough league. It's tougher than the rest of them. People will tell you, okay, it's college football and the NFL, and somewhere in between is the SEC. I get it. Well, that's because of what? It ain't because of what scheme somebody's drawing up. It's not because Alabama runs a 4-3 and a 3-4 on defense. It ain't because, I mean, the SEC isn't tough and tougher than all the other conferences because um, – because Dan Mullen runs a zone read offense at Florida and they have a zone run scheme and they play action off that scheme. That ain't why it's tough. Why is it tough? Because twice as many players from the SEC get drafted in the NFL than anywhere else. It's where the best players are. <laughs> it's loaded with them. And everywhere Mike Leach has been, the scheme works fine. When does it work best? And it didn't look like it had a ceiling when he had the best players. When he had Gardner Minshew, who was undervalued and underappreciated. That's it. You know, Texas Tech, Graham Harrell, Michael Crabtree. Players. Who not only could pull it off against everybody, but put in the time and the work and the effort and it worked at practice and they did pull it off and make it work against everybody. So what I'm saying is to, to the thought that here is cut out in stone a package. This is the scheme. This is cut out this little package right here. I can hand you this is Mike Leach's scheme. And it'll either fit any SEC or it won't fit. I don't buy it one bit. Go find me another Michael Crabtree and about two Fred Browns and one Deronia Wilson, okay? And go find me a Dak Prescott or a Tim Couch or a Graham Harrell or a Gardner Minshew and go find me a Dylan Day at center and a Beckwith at guard and on and on and on. Uh, uh, and go find me a Kylan Hill or a Josh Robinson at running back. And if I'm a coach and I know what I'm doing, 
I can find a scheme these guys can win with. Because you know what these guys are? They winners. They go. They can do it. Can they play and win against anybody? Yep. It's just simply a matter of do they do it. So what I'm saying, Norman, is I appreciate the thought, but I think we all have to get away from this idea. We have to get away from it because it's just, I mean, the matchups. People go, well, certain schemes may not match up against that team or this team. Well, why not? It's because of players. Jimmy's and Joe's versus X's and O's. The most important thing are the players. Now, let's go nuanced here. Matt, what if you take a great player, but he's confused? Well, he ain't going to look like much of a great player, is he? Nope. What if you take an average athlete and player, but he's not confused? then you can call everything in the playbook and he can put on an eye patch and put one hand in his pocket and still go run the play perfectly. Going to win a lot of games. A lot of games. It's like having a racehorse, but having him pinned into a little, you know, my backyard. He ain't going to look at much of a racehorse. But we can take that racehorse and if we put him on a track where all he's got he's got blinders on and all he's got to do is run as fast as he can straight ahead here's no confusion about what his purpose is and what his job is he's going to look a racehorse so i like the idea that a lot of players that are currently at mississippi state not just the ones coming in but the ones who are there are going to go from a state of confusion for 2 years on offense to hey, ain't going to be no confusion because it's too simple to be confused. It's just simply a matter of do you do it or not. Now we can actually see what they're made of. Hey, look at here. Let's do it. Right now on the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment, Madison and in Jackson. Your Kubota dealer, the oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S., means they've been doing it better longer than anyone else. Bart Gregory. He is Bart Gregory on Twitter. Give him a follow. Bart, I've been preaching, man. I don't know if you heard some of it, but I've been preaching. What's up? Well, I heard uh, I heard you talking about thoroughbreds and racehorses, and so I figured that was the way you were segmenting into me. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, if I were to take some, um, if we were to go to the racetrack and I were to take a fishing pole like in the cartoons and dangle some of that country pleasing green onion sausage out in front of you, <laughs> you'd run like a racehorse too. Well, either that or that pork and pineapple, you know, the pork and pineapple or the jalapeno cheddar, you know, I'm, I'm all over all that stuff. You know what I have right now is I got some that's like special. It is, um, I was down there at the uh, butcher shop. Okay. You know where it is. Um, oh yeah. Right there on highway 49 in Florence. And so I go in a butcher shop and by the way, for anybody who's never been there, you, you can't really believe it. Until you walk in. <laughs> okay. He's like, it's everything's in there. And, but he gave me some that is, it's got three or four different types of cheeses in it and this pepper mix, not like super right. duper hot pepper, but like flavorful. And yeah. uh, I'm on a very strict diet right now. I've got to lose weight. But don't you think for a minute I don't shave off two or three little pieces of that every single morning? And throw it in the frying pan because it is 
tongue slap your hat off good, Bart. It's really good. Oh, I'm telling you, and that, I mean, we're in the, we're, you're in my wheelhouse right now. When you start talking about uh, you know country pleasing sauces, and uh, now I tell you what, now, and uh, I know that this is you know outside of the advertising realm. I'm, I'm not pumping anything for you, but man, I tell you what, is, is there a better guy than Henry Cooper at uh, at Bounty Country Pleasing? There's just not a better guy. And no. I've known Henry for a long time, and you know it's one thing to put out an unbelievable product, and that's what they do. But uh, it also helps to have really, really good people behind that product. No doubt. I just like talking to him because I like his accent. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, he's kind of. I mean, he can he can sound like he's from Nanawaya. He has to. <laughs> he fit right in in Nanawaya. There ain't no doubt about it. I, I like O Henry. Well, um, yeah. So I wanted to chat with you. We got a few minutes left, uh, Bart. We were uh, talking baseball earlier. I mentioned your podcast, the Out of Left Field podcast, you and Charlie, and last night was the first episode. How'd it go? Oh, it went well. It went real well. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of people watching on Facebook, and and uh, we put it up on the podcast last night. And we, we thought about doing something a little bit different and, you know, taking a look back at, uh, at Mississippi State history, baseball history. And we'll do the show throughout the year, but uh, you know, one of the big things we wanted to do is kind of look back at some of the teams that we you know, we don't talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've got some great players who deserve a lot of uh, you know, deserve a lot of the accolades they've gotten. But uh, there are some other guys that, that played in the '90s and early '90s and the '80s, and that uh, that were big in building our baseball history. Just kind of look back at some of those guys. You know, sometimes on the broadcast we'll talk about you know. Hey, if you had to pick, you know, a left-handed pitcher, who you got? And then all of a sudden, you know, yeah. it morphs into Mike Prophet. Some of these guys that we don't talk about and haven't thought about in a while. And, uh, you know, we've got some great players other than some of the name players that really did a great job building this program. So we just want to highlight some of those guys. It's great. I I um, communicated today with a couple of guys that are, I know you know a lot about and could probably rattle off moments in their career. Thomas Burkery and Jeffrey Ray. <laughs> yeah, and both those guys, man, and uh, you know, I think Charlie Charlie picked Thomas last night on his on his side. I picked Jeffrey on my side. I mean, those were two guys that uh, you know, Thomas Berkeley was like a, a Swiss Army knife, man. He could put him anywhere: catcher, shortstop. There's not many guys can play catcher and shortstop, right? Catcher, shortstop, second base, third. He started four positions in four years. And I tell you what, man, it's hard to find a guy that had as quick as hands as uh, as Jeffrey Ray. I mean. Jeffrey Ray was, you know, was, was kind of Jake Mangum before Jake Mangum. And so, I mean, he was at table center at the top of the order. You had Mike Kelly back in the, in the eighties. It was very similar as well. Just quick hands, got on base. And man, those guys could far more hit. You got to get, if he hasn't already, he may have, but you got to get Thomas to tell you his version of being at the bottom of the dog pile of the celebration of the 2005 SEC tournament. When Brett Cleveland threw his glove down and they all had to pile up on the mound, and he was at the bottom of it with Brett. You got to get him to tell you Brett, his version of it. Well, the thing you got to worry about with Brett is there's no telling how much how, how much stuff that uh, that he had in his eyes. You know, there's no telling. <laughs> you know, and I would tell you, if I was on the bottom of a pile, I, I don't know. If, you know Brett Cleveland may be the last person I would select. You know, yeah. other than Wes Ray, uh, Brett Cleveland would probably be you know right up there as well. No doubt about it. No question. 
what's well, an it's a neat thing that you're doing and and uh if you're listening and you don't already y'all can follow bart on twitter at bart gregory if you're watching on our stream here on facebook or twitter you got it, uh there it is at bart gregory and you can find links to their podcast he and charlie throughout baseball season just getting it started um bart and hey, I just want to say thank you to you because you are my tech guy. I mean, you're the guy who understands cameras and te- audio technical, and I have bounced so many questions off of you, and I'm very appreciative. <laughs> well, I'm happy to I'm happy to help. You know, the thing is, like I've made so many mistakes on all those things over the years, Bart. I'm actually I'm just happy to help anybody avoid some of them. You know. <laughs> Because if you could screw it up, I've screwed it up. A lot of people learn because they're smart. I've learned strictly because of trial and error, you know. So uh, yeah. ha- happy to help in any way. Hey, here's what I was going to ask you. Um, if you've got time to hang on, we're about to break in a minute. If you've sure. got time to hang on. Absolutely. Because I want to come back and talk just a little women's basketball. you got a game tonight and, and some of those things. Uh, but with about a minute before the music starts right here, um, well, actually, I tell you what, Bart, the music just started. My timing was off. So you just hang I'm on. I'm on your time, man. I'm okay. Good. Okay, good. I'll stay all day. You will? All right. I'll, I'll tell Jake Wimberly you're going to hang on and be with him at 4 o'clock. No, I'm kidding. All right. I'm so, clearing my calendar. Right <laughs> all right. So hang tight. We'll come back with Bart Gregory and get into a little more with him on the Divinity Equipment phone. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Your text's coming up next as well. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Farm Bureau insurance across the state of Mississippi and all 82 counties. Your hometown heroes. Bart Gregory hanging on with us on the Divinity Equipment phone. Um, Bart, today is the let me see that today is the 38th birthday. No, 39th birthday. Of Jonathan Bender from Picayune, Mississippi. <laughs> yep. I, just, I mean, and I mean, he was one of the first guys that you know that uh, you know that, that he was a McDonald's All American and and um, you know, went straight to the pros and you know committed to Mississippi State, signed with Mississippi State, and then then went to the pros. And he was a he was an unbelievable talent, man. Well, and. Wikipedia, That's crazy. You Wiki, know Wikipedia says he, I know that he is, but Wikipedia says he's seven feet tall. See, I didn't remember him being a seven footer. Not either. I don't Not think that's either. right. And uh, I thought he was six eleven. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, mm-hmm. get it right, Wikipedia. Well, I got you. Hey, speaking of basketball, yeah. uh, women's basketball tonight. Um, wh- what? Give us your synopsis of this Vic Schaefer team and where they are right now at this point. What do you think? 
Well, getting getting better. I mean, that's the thing. They're 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 getting better. Uh, and got a lot better in this past game against Ole Miss. And, um, I thought the the loss, the only loss in SEC play, they're six and one. We learned more out of that loss than we did out, out of any win. And that's how athletic this team can be. You know, losing on the road at South Carolina, the number one team in the country, was uh, was a good loss. If there was a such thing as a good loss. And now you play in the midst of a, a three-game homestand. You beat Ole Miss this past Sunday. Kind of went you know, going away on that one. Led early, went 30-6 to in the first quarter. Uh, ended up winning by 41. But you've got Auburn tonight, and you've got Georgia at home on Sunday. And then you've got a couple road trips early in the month of February. They're really going to be the telltale of, of how you finish the pecking order in the SEC at Tennessee and then at Kentucky. But uh, – yeah, this is a team that, that's young, that's gotten better as, as the season's gone on. Uh, you, you're seeing some of those freshmen kind of kind of jump in there. You knew Rakia Jackson of McDonald's All-American was going to be big for you. She didn't play early in the game, in the Sunday game against Ole Miss, but came on late, played well. Uh, she's scoring well right now in conference play, just, you know, like I said, just getting better. And uh, Aliyah Mathari, uh, another freshman who's, who's kind of taken off, she has the ability to score in spurts. And so this is a... Now, this has been a, a, a hair-pulling year for Vic Schaefer, um, I think, more than anything, especially on the defensive side. But uh, but this team is beginning to kind of round into shape. And, and to be honest with you, when you look around the league this year, and, and we want to kind of you know uh, pound our chest a little bit about the SEC sometimes in, in various leagues uh, and various sports, but uh, this, this year in women's basketball, it's very top-heavy. When you look at South Carolina, you look at Mississippi State, you know, Tennessee is kind of getting back. A&M has had some injuries, but they, they should be better as the end of the year, toward the end of the year with Kennedy Carter, she gets healthy, and then Kentucky. But after that, man, I tell you what, uh, it's, it's really not as deep this year as it has been. And so, you know, you've got to make some hay when you have a chance to do that. Mississippi State's got to do that on this homestand. They sure better. You know, Auburn and Georgia at home back to back. And then two out of the next three are at 22nd ranked Tennessee and then at 13th ranked Kentucky. And I'm just going to say this whether it's men's basketball or women's basketball, you have to deal with a lot of extra stuff at Kentucky. Like it's not just five people <laughs> you're playing against. And and I'll just leave it at that. It's not like they can, can find me. So I'm just going to say you never get favorable officiating in the state of Kentucky. <laughs> Well, and it's different in women's basketball because you're playing in the old Memorial Coliseum. And, right. and so it's an old arena. It's a different feel than you have in a lot of different places. It's kind of that um, that high school gym feel when you, you have the goals and have the walls right behind you. So your depth perception is a little bit different than when you're in a traditional arena. Uh, and it's a tough place to play. Matthew Mitchell, of course, a Louisville native, Winston County boy, has done well there. And, uh, and they play hard, too. So that's, that's a big trip. Tennessee's kind of getting it together right now. And uh, so that's that's a very athletic team that State will play next Thursday night. But uh, yeah, tonight Auburn, you know, Auburn's kind of struggling right now. Uh, Auburn's a team being you know, right now at one and six in the league. Uh, so they, they've got just one win in league play, and that was against Ole Miss. And uh, so they they played at Kentucky, pretty played well at Kentucky this past weekend, and lost by seven up there. But they'll come in here tonight, and uh, you know, Auburn's. Uh, you know, like I said, there's seven and eleven overall, just one and six in the SEC. But uh, you know, they, they definitely have some 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 guard play that can present you some problems. No doubt. February fourteenth, four p.m., fifteen days from today, 
on that Friday night. Hang on now. Yeah, it won't be long now. Like that monkey who sat his tail on the railroad track, Wright State will be inside Duty Noble Stadium to take on Mississippi State for first pitch. And we we pretty much know who the Friday night starter is, don't we? Yeah, I mean, J.T. Ken, I mean, and that's that's where you feel good. You felt good last year because you had Ethan Small going on Friday nights. You felt like you could match up against anybody. And this year you feel the same with J.T. And then Christian McLeod on Saturday. I mean, you, you've got a formidable one-two punch mm-hmm. in your weekend rotation. You've got to figure out that third guy. Uh, you've got some really good candidates in there. Um, but, uh, you know, Kessler's been really good, Sarantola. I mean, you, you've got some guys you, you feel like you could, could – uh, could, you know, could factor on that weekend, that final rotation spot. But you know, up and down the order, you know, one through five, it's going to yeah. be really, really good. Really good. And um, it's, uh, hey, I'm ready for it. Man. Yeah. Hey, hey, no better way than to start to, to start the stadium last year and we're looking to, to jump on top of that again this year. Yeah. Bart, um, there's um, – I just wonder if you've perceived the same thing, if you've kind of noticed it. JT, again – he looks slim and trim to me. Like the guy has decided I'm going to be in the best physical shape I can be. He, Not that he was ever not slim and trim, you know, but I'm just saying he looks like he's changed his body. Well, how many times do you see that from a freshman or sophomore year? Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes you come in your freshman year and you do have that offseason before you have that freshman season. But after you, you, know, after you go through the rigors of an SEC season, and see just how demanding it is. You know, it's almost like that trial by fire. And hey, it's one thing to say it; it's another thing to live it. And once you live that grind of playing those seventy games, then you realize, hey, I, I better do. I may do some things differently. And, uh, and I mean, it's just uh, he's done a good job in the offseason. He really has. And so you normally see these freshmen, you know, getting ready for that sophomore year to take that jump as far as you know, what they do in the offseason with the with their strength training. Uh, bold peanuts on the opening weekend. Or are you going to save that? <laughs> yeah, I have. Uh, I have plenty. You know, I have <laughs> plenty to, to bowl. And uh, yeah, we, we, <laughs> I mean, hey, so uh, I, I, I only I only boil peanuts when when you're going to be in the booth. Where do you get <laughs> and, peanuts uh, to boil this time of the year? I'm sorry to step in here. <laughs> well, here's what you do. Is so we we plant peanuts. Well, I plant some peanuts, and I have a huge garden. Back in the summer, and so if if you if you freeze them, if you freeze them while they're green, yeah. when you thaw them out, they're still green, and so you still boil them, and they're, man, they're just perfect. They're still perfect. You yep. just freeze perfect. them right there. You don't have. I always have boiled them first and then frozen them. I guess it works either way, but your way sounds like either it might way. taste fresher though. Yeah, either way, either either way, and so as long as you put the right amount of garlic salt on them, yeah, uh, they're absolutely. Phenomenal. Well, yeah. and you know, the recipes in. you see online are too light on salt. I don't know who wrote these things. But you really <laughs> yeah. got you got to salt them down. And no, I, I mean you got you got to better drink like a gallon of water after you eat my bowl. <laughs> That's what. And what I was going to say too, Bart, is everybody should implore my uh, technique, and that is just eat them so fast that it doesn't matter what they taste like. You know, let me give you my secret <laughs> to Cajun uh, boil peanuts. What's that? Liquid crab boil. Liquid. Crab boil, or you can use the other kind, but okay. liquid gets right if on in. People really, if people really knew how much of the game they were listening to, that we were sitting there with peanuts, <laughs> peanuts in our mouth, <laughs> it, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's 
pretty embarrassing to be honest. With you. <laughs> it is it, a diet coke and a peanut. <laughs> you figure out how to eat them without getting it all over you, Bart. It really is no. a little <laughs> bit enough. of a shame that it, it really is kind of a shame that we get paid to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well. What, you get paid? Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> cat's out of the bag. I'm just saying, you know, we, we go to the ballpark, we get a parking pass, we go to the booth, we sit there and talk baseball for nine innings, eat peanuts, drink Diet Coke, and it's a job. Man, 20... 20- I, I know. I play it every time we walk in there. I play it every time we walk in there. It's just about how lucky we are. And yeah. I, I mean, that's what makes it fun, man. No doubt. Thank you, Bart. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Enjoy it as always. Yeah, talk to you soon. That's Bart Gregory. Y'all follow him on Twitter, at Bart Gregory. Check out the Out of Left Field podcast, which is presented by Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance and Country Pleasing Meat Packers right here at home. The best. We'll wrap it up next. Stick around. Back on the show, I'm Matt. In the Farm Bureau studio, one last time with you here on this Thursday, and then we will be into Friday, and the next thing you know, it'll be the Super Bowl on Sunday. Looking forward to that. The media is trying its best, Roger. Roger, they are trying their very doggone dead-level best to get some controversy going for this game. Are they still hitting the Mahomes tweet? Now there's more. There's more. Now our favorite Kansas City Chief, Chris Jones, a former Mississippi State Bulldog and Houston Hilltopper, defensive tackle. They're saying that he says, we 1,000% want to put the game on Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulders. And and so there, that's like a sign of disrespect. How? Here's what he said. Okay. Last game they threw eight passes, you know, and, and scored over 30 points. You know, if a team can do that, they're very dangerous. So they love to control the tempo of the game. They love to control how the game is played, you know, and we got to stop that. Put the game on Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulders. 1,000%, and we'll see where it goes from there. Anything controversial, bulletin board there? Yes, no? So listen to how they did the follow-up question after Chris Jones said that. Here's a reporter asking Jimmy Garoppolo a question. Chris Jones of the Chiefs um, said they a thousand percent want to put the game on your shoulders and obviously take away the run, but put it on you. What's your reaction to that? It's great. <laughs> I mean, teams have tried that this year. Uh, I think uh, our offense does a great job, you know, starting with Kyle just with the play calling, but they do a great job of getting us in good situations, whether it's run or pass, and, you know, we just do the rest. Get ready. Between now and Sunday, you're going to hear more about that. Chris Jones disrespected Garoppolo. I sure it sure takes a lot less to be disrespected <laughs> these days. It sure I mean, does. You used to actually have to say something insulting. I mean, you might as well say remember like, the the boxing matches, you know, before those. Oh, I know. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, uh, over here on the text line, real quick. So they filmed Deliverance apparently in Georgia on the Ocoee River. Beautiful. You talk about gorgeous. A gorgeous place. Like all the way up in North Carolina. I mean, it's just the most scenic. 
I want to go back. At Chile, even in the height of summer. Yeah. That's one of those rivers they turn on and off. Yep, that's right. Um, what the damn we have a text here from... We, we get texts from Core Learning, and they keep calling me Myatt, M-Y-A-T-T. It's like a combination of my first and last name. And it's really unsettling for me <laughs> <laughs> to read Myatt or to even try to say it. It's either Matt or Wyatt, okay? But they were telling me on the New Orleans Saints thing, they said, careful, Myatt. That conversation is a slippery slope. Some would believe that all have the responsibility to protect protect children. No, core learning. Everybody who is sane yeah. believes fully that we have the responsibility to protect children. As a society, we have no greater responsibility than protecting the innocence of children every single day, everywhere we can. Schools, home, church, everywhere. Number one, protect the innocence of children. Anybody people, who steps yeah. outside of that, anybody who doesn't agree with that, needs to be shipped out. And that's Matt's opinion. Run, tell that. They get confused with, you know, they, they want to protect the church, but the church isn't that organization. The church is the people. If we're not that's, protecting the people. That's who you people, protect, the people. It, the, a church is the people. That's what I'm saying. It's not that organization, absolutely priest, and then thing in you know Rome or whatever. That yeah, you know, that's just the that's the corporation of the church, right? Yeah. Step up to them and look them right in the eye and ask them, who do you think God's interested in protecting? And that's not an anti-Catholic. I'm just saying as a that goes for anybody. Spirituality, yeah, yeah. All right. Peanut Butter Falcon said it's despicable for anyone in the Saints organization to try to defend against molestation charges. Awful. Tim sent me a Super Bowl snack recipe, how he makes guacamole. Let's see. What does he say here? Six avocados, two slices medium onion diced, one half 24-ounce paces medium or hot picante sauce. Stir it all up and chill it. Sounds like a Tex-Mex version, but if it doesn't have uh, cilantro chopped up in it, it's just not guacamole to me. Uh, I, I agree with that. I agree with that totally, Roger. And some lime juice. We'll be snobs adds a nice on that. acidic back taste, and it also keeps it from turning brown. Yep, that's right. Squeezy right, lime so, in there. Uh, let's see. Norman <laughs> agrees with my points. Uh, Fletcher says, heck, Matt, you could run power eye every down if you had the dominant offensive lineman to make it work. Hey, just look at San Francisco. Any word on K.J. Costello who visited with State? The word is that he's having a visit at his home with coaches today. We will see. Um, and then Jason said, OMG, put Jonathan Bender on those State teams when he came out. And absolutely, they would have been dominant. All right, look here. Our friend Bill Wilson, who works at The Zone, gave me a list, went to the trouble to print it out and hand it to me yesterday, Roger. He's our traffic guy. People hear him on the mornings and afternoons. Yeah, they hear him. That's right. Bill Wilson, he handed this to me. And it is a list of all the XFL football teams and the SEC players on those teams. Now, you got the Super Bowl this weekend, wraps up the NFL, and then the XFL starts the next weekend. So I'm going to go local here for you. I want you to know these. The Dallas Renegades, coached by Bob Stoops, 
They have Jonathan Calvin. He's listed as an offensive lineman, but Jonathan's a defensive lineman from Mississippi State. They also have some players from Tennessee and Auburn and uh, and others. The D.C. Defenders, coached by Pep Hamilton. They don't have anybody here locally, but they do have some names you recognize from LSU, receiver Malachi Dupree, running back Nick Brissett. There's an example for you. The Houston Roughnecks, head coach June Jones. This is where Hal Mummy is on the coaching staff. They have safety Trey Elston out of Ole Miss, linebacker Beniquez Brown out of Mississippi State, linebacker Demarcus Gates out of Ole Miss, and then defensive lineman Nick James out of Mississippi State. They have former Auburn receiver Sammy Coates, who was drafted and played for the Steelers for a while. The Los Angeles Wildcats, head coach Winston Moss. Nobody on that team from State or Ole Miss. Same thing for the New York Guardians. They are coached by Kevin Gilbride, former NFL coach, but uh, nobody from State or Ole Miss. The St. Louis Blackhawks, coached by Jonathan Hayes. Nick Fitzgerald, quarterback, Mississippi State. Jordan Te'amu, quarterback, Ole Miss. And, Ch- and Channing Ward, defensive tackle, Ole Miss from uh, from right up there in Aberdeen, Mississippi. Look, you got Fitz and Tiamu, both quarterbacks on that St. Louis team. How about that? Seattle Dragons are coached by head coach uh, Jim Zorn, the former Washington coach and played in the NFL. No, no, you do. Actually, you have uh, Dylan Day on the offensive line out there from Mississippi State in Seattle. And you don't have any State or Ole Miss players on the Tampa Bay Vipers. Their head coach is Mark Tressman. But listen to some of the players they do have. Antonio Callaway, wide receiver, Florida. The only reason Antonio Callaway is not playing for the Cleveland Browns, a team that drafted him right now, this moment, is because he he couldn't stay clean off the field. He is an incredible talent. Aaron Murray, quarterback, Georgia, on the Tampa Bay team. He was the back, well, third string QB in Kansas City for a while, but a record setter. He may still be the SEC's all time leading passer. I don't know if Joe Burrow passed him this year. Uh, uh, we'll see. Oh, well, he couldn't have, not in his career. Jalen Collins, the cornerback from LSU, who is a Mississippi kid, went to Olive Branch High School. Pretty cool. Bill, if you're listening, I appreciate you handing me this list. And I intended to get to it yesterday and didn't have time or just didn't think about it, but. Really cool. I like seeing that because it adds a little interest when you know some of the guys who are on some of those teams. So I think, look, unless it's just incredibly hokey, I think when they start that league, a lot of people will watch. I think I'll watch it initially to see what it looks like, especially to get a chance to see guys like Fitzgerald and Tamu playing for a different team. I think it'll be very interesting. I wonder if they learned the lesson last time. Don't get too gimmicky with folks' football. Yeah, just play football. Just play. Use the rules like they are. Play football. Don't get too gimmicky. I agree, Roger. All right, Roger, I'll see you tomorrow. See you all tomorrow here in the studio. See ya. You've been listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.